imagine you're on a white meadow. <laughs> no, keep going. Let's go. <laughs> I can't do this. Those dream travel things, like those relaxing things, like <laughs> meditation journeys. Nah, I, I already hated them so much <laughs> in school. Like, like, why do teachers do that? Why, why, why do they force you to lay your? You're, you're. Just imagine you're already freaking tired. You, you have no freaking. Hi. There we go. Just, yeah. just imagine you're, you're not really in the mood for school as a kid. You know, you're tired as fuck. You wish you could have slept longer. And then they, they are doing a freaking fantasy journey meditation thing with you, where you have to put your head on your desk. In your arms, close your eyes, and then the teacher is telling you something about a travel to a meadow into the distance. Then you just take the opportunity place. and you just pass out. That that's that's what shouldn't happen to you. So so so. <laughs> but that's I, every I, opportunity is being given to you in that very moment. The problem is you're freaking more sleepy afterwards, and you're like like why why are they doing that? I. I it wasn't as if I had problems to be quiet and as if I was super overexcited or something. <laughs> Why are you doing this, teacher? Especially religion teacher likes Thanks, to were, do that. Were you a hyper child? No! He was totally a hyper child. Storm, were you I was, a hyper I child? Was child. Um, I, was, I, was, I was class best and stuff. And, but but I, day, I also... Honestly, I really did. So yes, I would say yes. I was, I was a hyper child. And I was definitely a handful because when I got my mind interested on something, I would think about that for hours and hours and hours long after the teacher had tried to move on. <laughs> so that's just how I that's just how I rolled. I mean, I I, I sometimes didn't uh, I sometimes just uh, shouted the answer into the room if the teacher didn't pick me like for <laughs> three times now and I just said, it's so easy everybody else doesn't know the answer pick me teacher pick me i was oh i was a were, bit of and you were that one were student one of, who always had his hand up they stopped picking you, you because they wanted those. somebody not else not always yeah. but, sounds like pretty but, common yeah, yeah yeah but in my in my favorite uh, things like <laughs> biology or uh Later in math and stuff, I I wanted to participate and kind of get a good like um, a good grade in participation. Mm -hmm. You were and, you yeah. just overdid it. <laughs> I mean I mean I did it. Yeah, I I got a good note in participation, but uh... oh freaks, we all still love you, but. <laughs> Yes, I, I probably yes. was the I only child. Let me guess, in, in college you were also the like overly studious one, the one who got upset if you weren't within an A range. No, no. Yeah. I was okay no, no. with, with being... No, that was me. Being better. That was me. Like two. Yes. <laughs> I, I mean, I loved to... Uh, I, I wanted to get um, like grade A and stuff. Like in Germany it's grade one. Right. Uh, but... I wasn't like super obsessed with it. If I failed, then I was like, "Oh, okay, it's still a two. Or uh, I only was upset if if I think the teacher was unfair, especially in uh, German courses. 
language and stuff. Because language teachers are unfair as fuck. Often, not often, not not always, but often. <laughs> I think it's the opposite here, at least where I am, where uh, like the English teacher, the various language teachers, were usually pretty gracious with their grades. If you got within moderately acceptable, you were fine. You you passed. <laughs> not by me. My um. See, the thing is, is when when you're young. Most kids fall into one and two, one of two categories. Most of the time, you're either really good at math, so you struggle at your natural language, or you're really good at your natural language and you struggle at math. So oh. I was quite good at English and I struggled at math. But as I got older, I started to really hyper focus on math to try to get better at it. And slowly the wheel started to turn. But English class for me, especially in college, that was a level of that was a level of insanity that I haven't experienced since in that every little detail, how words are structured, hyper analytical about margin size and this and that. But good God, no wonder the rest of the country reads at a fourth grade reading level. This is insane. Yeah, that stuff doesn't I bother me at all. <laughs> I personally loved language uh, and, and math both, but I was pretty okay in both. And but 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 in the last grade when the when the gra the last grade when the grades really freaking counted, mm -hmm. uh, suddenly I had an I had a teacher that was obsessed with freaking liter literature like like fictional texts and stuff, and and she even skipped the required non-fictional text. And I'm I, I'm way better in non-fictional text to inter interpretate articles and. You know, reportages and stuff, and however they play with words and stuff. But that, that's my thing. But I really hate poems to interpret poems and stuff. It's like, especially since this teacher had a certain idea of how this text is to be interpreted. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this one, I still remember the one freaking poem interpretation test, this exam. And it was. Freaking disgusting! It was. It was like I was like getting. I was getting an uh, an F in that. Oh, my pizza! Sorry. Did you order a pizza too? No, I did not order a pizza. My mate works at a pizza factory. I oh. get I get like thirty free pizzas a month from this factory as part of his employee compensation. So I've got pizza out the yin yang here. Cool. <laughs> Um, what about you? No, I, I don't have any pizza. Are you going to be ordering one? No. I wish. I was craving Papa Murphy's earlier this week. Or today. Well, Papa Murphy's can be tasty. Especially if um, you don't mind the take and bake aspect. I appreciate the take and bake aspect. It means that I can actually prepare the pizza whenever I want. Like, I don't have to go home and have it and eat it right away for fresh pizza. If I want to have pizza the next day, there you go. Mm -hmm. Papa Murphy's. Murph got my back. <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> now, what's nice about that is if you can, uh, what some people do is they take their Papa Murphy's pizza and they cut it up. And then uh, they just make that section that they want. Yes, exactly. Like, you don't, like, don't get me wrong. Day old pizza is pretty fantastic. 
But I'm one of those people who thinks like the fresh brand new pizza is the best pizza. So <laughs> Papa Murphy's offers me the ability to take home a whole unbaked pizza and then pop it in whenever I want it. So I could have pizza today. I could wait until tomorrow. I could have it next week if I really wanted to. And no matter what, I'm oh going to have fresh God. pizza. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And Everybody's mm. all hyped about Papa John's. No. Papa Murphy. He's my papa. Yeah. Papa John's. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with them on Papa ah. John's, though. Papa John's pizza, uh, for me, it's their artisan six cheese, and I get it um, slightly light-baked because I, I, I just like it that way. Extra pizza sauce. I got a Papa John's down the street. You be there five minutes. Boom. Deliciousness. Papa Murphy's all closed in my area. They couldn't compete. So that's yeah, sad. Take that for what it's worth. Um, oh my god. Mm. Okay, you so don't need to make the sounds so in our ears and make us just crave the pizza even more. Come on. You're, you're gonna have to tell us what's on your pizza now. Please. <laughs> Share with pizza the class. Pizza eating ASMR. No, no, I'm, I'm actually not, not, I will not, I can't even eat the pizza because it's, I, I'm, it's so damn hot and it's like, like they, I didn't, I didn't order extra cheese, but they put extra cheese on it and it also has cheese in the uh, rim and it's the cheesiest pizza I ever had, I guess. <laughs> it's, it's really like, oh my God, how, how do I eat this in this temperature and I'm so hungry. <laughs> well, if you know what's amazing, what we'll do when we're that um, hungry, never mm. go shopping hungry. That being said, this episode's not about pizza. It's not about our schoolwork and methodology. It's about birds. Speaking of birds, this is episode seventy-two of Bird Life. I'm Core. I'm Fleeks, and I am the one that is known as Storm. No, he's Storm. disagree with what i said because you're storm yes and this week <sighs> we're talking about birds like just bird appreciation in general birds are awesome right guys birds are awesome i agree with that he, he pizza agrees <laughs> yeah I, I agree i agree on on uh, birds are great so this was bird, <laughs> bird life episode <laughs> 72 thank you for listening Thank you. Yeah, Good night. that's the whole episode. Thank you so much, guys. It's great talking with you. Damn. We came to a conclusion. If you enjoyed the show and you want to support us, <laughs> it's on Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash birdlifepodcast. 
<laughs> See, this is how this is how Burdanian government works. We all get in a room. We are unanimous because we're birds, and then we just spend the rest of the time enjoying good bird seed and taking bird baths. So it. life is good. <laughs> Storm goes all through right. a lot of millet. Sure, sure. Just totally don't look at my expense reports because that's all business related. You know? <laughs> Gotta take care of the people. Millet and stripper griffinets. Mm. I gotta get, I gotta make my hens happy. So you know what would like be funny? Strippers. <laughs> what wouldn't be funny if if I would like suffocate on on this bunch of cheese live in the episode? No, I mean it please don't do really that. Now, please don't do that. We yeah. need you. Yeah. I'm trying not to. <laughs> this is really a freaking amount of cheese, man. He's having a hard time not choking on the cheese. Mm-hmm. It's that, that's the point where you stop eating the pizza because your life is in danger. <laughs> Sir. But I'm also in the danger of starving, so... Nah. A danger of starving. Oh, no. We can't have Peck Peck starve. But now, with regards to the things I like about birds being better, one of the first things I enjoy about birds that really comes to mind is beaks. You know, it, it's all about that sexy beak. There's so much, so many different shapes. There's so many unique things you can do with it, ranging from just sitting there looking pretty to, in Leeks' case, causing oh, yeah. property damage, you know, <laughs> everything in between. And it's it's such a useful tool to have, and I, I take it over a traditional muzzle any day. Person. In my opinion, uh, people would disagree with me on that, but in my opinion, beaks are way easier to draw than any muscle or anything. Because muscles, I don't know, especially canines and felines, they are, they are, I, I, I can't understand how, they are, um, how their muscles work. Like, it, it, where does it end? Where does it go? Why? Why? So, Bleaks, I mean, you're actually I, I, on the short end of that stick to think that uh, beaks are easier to draw. Most of the artists I know have a lot of trouble with beak as far as, like, perspective goes. Because, mm. like, it's it's pointy and doesn't have as many, like, reference points to make along the way mm. but to, like, understand where it's pointing at. A lot that, of artists that, that, that I know have trouble drawing beaks and feathers. But But beaks are generally pretty much simple shapes, like, like... They are. They are. A lot of birds have this conical shape, like like um, for example, woodpeckers. It's just just like, yeah, conical shape. And if you if you ever drew three D objects in school for math or something, uh, you kind right. of have an idea how it works. I would say, but uh, it's what I'm saying is it's the simplicity of it because there's not as many like points to reference on it. They have trouble getting the perspective correct with the face. I would say it's it's even more complicated than that because Lord knows I've gotten plenty of commissions, and every artist, if you go through my gallery on FA or um, some of the other websites, uh, notice my beak and how much it changes from artist to artist. Exactly. And the one thing that is consistent among all artists is that they are inconsistent when it comes to my beak, <laughs> and that's because they most artists draw a wide variety of characters and animals and everything else. And drawing a beak is incredibly complicated. Some make me look too cannish. Some make me look way too short. Some make me look like I've got a little can opener on my face. It, it's hilarious. 
all the wide varieties and it's actually one of the most common things I have tweaked while in the sketch phase is to make my beak longer or shorter just given what the picture is trying to do. I, I, I think that the major problem that most artists have with beaks is that they just don't draw a lot of birds because if you draw them a lot you're, you're really seeing oh this is, beaks are pretty simple and, uh, they don't have too much details they I don't know um, they're curving like that and stuff and, and, and then people will eventually learn it I mean that they're, they're, um, they're really complex birds like uh, puffins for example puffins that, mm-hmm. puffins yeah oh my that, god <laughs> oh god please never change <laughs> That, for example, have that's canon now. A rather complicated beak because they have like frills on it and stuff. Or, or Storm Griffin, for example, if you know them, uh, they have like those beak ridges. That that, yeah. that that makes drawing the beak even more fun, in my opinion. Like, I I I I prefer drawing beaks over uh, muscles and stuff because muscles are they have no shape. I mean, they have a shape, but I I don't get behind it. Like they are connected with eyes and connected with the rest of the head, <laughs> and that just doesn't make any sense. Nope, not <laughs> at all. <laughs> and and for me, another thing: if you draw a beak well, one of the things it does is it sort of draws your attention. And as a viewer, you know, you see the beak and you follow the beak back. And the next thing that draws me is the eyes. And most birds have eyes on them that just really capture your attention and make you seem like they're staring either they're staring into your soul or you feel like you're there you're staring into their soul just especially like owls for example how big the eyes can be right oh my goodness are you looking at like my my seven past lives or something (laughs) they stare into your soul that's right it's like they're the ultimate lie detectors if an owl is staring at you at the burgundian police station you can't lie to the owl. The owl sees everything. It's all knowing. <laughs> it sees and through. It sees your soul. It sees what you're thinking. It sees past you. It sees the person on the other side of you. And it, it sees wants their through pizza. your bird shit. <laughs> yes, it sees through your bird shit and does not approve. Um, <laughs> the other thing I really appreciate on birds is, of course, their uh, their um, sorry their plumage, like. Did did you compare a poofing of a bird with a poofing of a mammal or I I don't think reptiles poof a lot, but um, I mean that there are like really poofy uh, mammals like uh, stratainas they can poof oh my god like like <laughs> their mane and stuff, but um, generally like like a, if a bird rises their uh, plumage because it's it feels pleasant, or it's cold, or whatever, whatever reason they. Or do it's it. warm. Or it's warm. Um, you and it needs to vent it, it a little just, bit. It's it's just so so freaking cute. Or it's comfy. Mm. The poofier <laughs> bird is, the more comfortable you know it is. Yeah, totally, totally. And plus, the poofier the bird is, the more of a show off the bird can be in some ways. Mm-hmm. It's got so much, so much feathery plumage to go around. Oh my gosh. Somebody oh. just randomly sent me a video of 
of these uh, these rather attractive women oh, putting yes. on bird heads <laughs> and just randomly doing these porn-ish bird dancing things on beds. And it's like, what the fuck That was I going watching? around in the AD group a little earlier today. That was fun. It's like, what the hell? <laughs> oh, I love, I, love, I love the content our community produces. Whether or not people are high during the time they produce it, eh, that's negligible. <laughs> Coming back mm. to beaky avian greatness, um, the next thing I love about birds, come on, it, it's got to be about the wings, guys. The ability for, to fly, the ability to just show off with your wings, to use wings in some cases is almost um, a way to attract a partner to uh, cover up the eggs and to, you know, kind of act as a shield in the way. Wings are great for hawks. This is true. Just fully encompassing hugs. The warmest hug in the world. Yeah. That's why that's why I also um, in a a, uh, bird fandom uh, between people with bird character we always have this discussion whether we like wingers like wing fingers or like talon hands. Like, Talons, like, but I'm biased. You're a griffin. That's okay, but I, I think I think like pure birds, like like all birds are pure. So so um, <laughs> they're pure, but, precious, and adorable. Yeah, but uh, like like people who are no not in hybrid, just just a bird. They um 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 wingers, also wing feathers fit them well and more well like if they have back wings they kind of people people start to assume they are griffins to be honest that does happen like, yeah yeah like like ask tiersel ask tiersel he he got confused with a griffin a lot well at the point you have six <laughs> well, appendages it does become kind of like that well under the same breath Griffins are drop-dead sexy, so come on. Is it really that bad to be accidentally confused for a griffin when we look this good? Once I mean, again, seriously. a little bit of bias going on there, but you know. I am not biased at all. Uh, totally impartial and fair. That's why our audience tunes into this program. You know what, Storm Griffin, you are absolutely right, and I'm so sorry. <laughs> they want the truth on all things beaky. Now, <laughs> <laughs> now moving on to more truths about the the greatness of all things avian are sounds the beeps the chirps the squawks i never got to say what my favorite thing about birds was but it's a good well, say it you never gave me a chance my favorite uh, my favorite thing about birds is honestly like their intelligence and personalities mm-hmm. uh, varying from species to species like they got a vast array of personalities <laughs> and they're all sweet well unless they're screaming yeah. You you can generalize the intelligence of birds, of course, like like you said, because for example, owls have such big eyes that they don't have a lot of fla- <laughs> a lot of space for their brain. This uh, the is same true. goes for a lot of other mm, like birds of prey. So are you saying? But the size in that regard, um, of a bird's eyes is, is directly connected to the size of their brain. The bigger the eyes, the smaller the brain. In some mm. circumstances, yes, but at the same time, uh, even you know, birds of prey like falcons and hawks and stuff, they can uh, demonstrate a pretty incredible level of uh, understanding that most other common species mm. don't even under like can't even get to their level. 
Um, yep. For example, we have uh, kestrels that are around my house. And every year, these kestrels will build a nest in the side of our house and tear apart the side of our, of our trim of our wall, which is a pain in the ass. But yeah. uh, two years ago, woodpeckers moved into the, to that nest and expanded it out quite a bit. After the, kest- mm-hmm. after the uh, woodpeckers moved in, before they could lay their eggs, the kestrels chased them out and used the nest on their own. So they Aww. were very intelligent in the fact that uh, they recognized like the superior craftsmanship of the woodpecker, I guess. <laughs> superior craftsmanship. And then Let this them year, stealing from them. we Great. had crows move into one of the trees that were near our place. And the kestrels and the crows did not get along very well. Um, the oh. crows tried to take the, the kestrels' nest from them. And when they lost this war, the kestrels never gave up trying to get rid of the crows, even though the crows had moved a pretty good space mm. away. So <laughs> by the time the, uh, the crows had their eggs and the kestrels had already hatched their, uh, their young ones, the, uh, when the young ones started to be able to take flight, the whole family started picking on the, the family of crows, which had a delayed nesting period. So, like, their babies had barely hatched. And unfortunately, but as per nature, uh, all the baby crows died due to the hands of the Uh. kestrels. But they held a grudge. They held a grudge for probably about three, four months. The thing (laughs) is, um, that's actually something crows and ravens uh, do, especially crows. They try to annoy um, birds of prey in um, in their area so much. That they give up their uh, their um, how's it called uh, 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 um, their uh, territory. So um, and they they are pretty successful with that because they they are annoying them so much that they are suffering that those birds of prey, especially peregrines and stuff, that they start to suffer from stress. Like they lose lose feathers and stuff, and they get really picked Aww. on by those crows. Well, and these kestrels definitely won this war this year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the re- if 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 the crows all- would always win, there wouldn't there wouldn't be a lot of birds of prey. Uh, I mean, there wouldn't be no no birds of prey probably. But um, that's oh. by the way. Uh, sorry, my. Uh, yeah, come yeah. back to us. Tess, you're here. You're here. Okay. Um, the problem. No, uh, give me a second. I, uh, my train of thought was like, cr- is a crash. Boom. <laughs> mm. Um. <clears throat> yeah. Um. When uh, we saw when we were in the national aviary of the U.S. in Pittsburgh, um, that they they wanted to show us, um. A flight show with a peregrine, uh, with right. a falcon. It wasn't a peregrine, but it was a falcon that was almost like a peregrine. So they they are practically in the territories where uh, peregrines aren't. So they are practically almost twins. But this falcon, uh, they wanted to make the show, and then there was a freaking crow sitting on the top of a tree and distracting it, like like uh, <laughs> shouting at it and, and be like a total jackass. <laughs> and they wanted it to come back, and they were like, oh, seems like we have a crow problem and stuff. Like, it was fun. 
Well, you know, I've also noticed that it's not just crows that uh, kind of pick on larger birds of prey. Even, like, tiny, tiny uh, finches and sparrows and stuff will, like, harass and bother larger birds of prey if they're in their territory. Yeah, of course. And there's nothing that, you know, the larger birds can do about it because, sorry, uh, a sparrow is going to out-navigate you at any given chance. Sometimes they'll catch them, but not uh, not that often. <laughs> Yeah, sparrows are also tiny. Um, they, 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 they sometimes seem like they don't fear anything. Especially, also blue chase. God, man! I like think that's I was a common in... trait of birds. Like, you, has anybody ever really noticed a bird being like terrified of anything ever? Uh, depends on the bird. Like rare birds, yeah. more. But like city birds aren't really scared. Like uh, what I want to tell is like uh, I saw my my first blue chase in Washington D.C. in front of the uh, White House, and those were so used to be fat. I I, I was like, oh no, I I, I want uh, feed birds because feeding birds, uh, wild birds, is actually harmful for them. So no, no, no chance, little blue chase. As much as I would like to give you something, but then I thought like. It's pretty warm. I'm. I, I will trick it a bit, and and then I threw an uh, ice cube to the to the to the blue jay. This blue jay was excited, like, oh my god, yeah, something. <laughs> then pecked at the thing and was like looking at me. Flew up to a tree and was mocking me from the tree, like like shouting at me, like in in the blue jay shout. And then <laughs> I heard the matter shouting. with you. <laughs> yeah, it was really like, what's the fucking matter with you? And squirrels attacked the kid next to me. Oh, yeah. Squirrels attacked. Well, squirrels can be. Squirrels can be. That, that was a wonderful segue. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that you know, birds. That's another thing about birds. We have such like you were talking about, Cor. We have such complex personalities. Each bird has a personality extremely unique unto themselves, to the point that you really don't know what you're gonna get. And you can have birds that. Um, that absolutely fit the stereotype and birds that will do things are like, what in the world are you doing? Oh God. Yeah, um, I mean, if you have a pet bird, it also kind of depends on the species you have. Like for example, red-bellied parrots are pretty much clowns. I, I think all parrots are pretty much clowns, but um, <laughs> I mean, I mean, there are some, some breeds of parrots that really, 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 really want want your attention so badly. Like, like if you if you don't if you ignore them, they get apeshit. Like they they scream at you. They yeah, no, do that bird. You you basically have a seven year old child. So yeah, you got to take care of him to that degree. <laughs> yeah. It, so it a bird, bird, bird. Sorry, I didn't mean to just cut off again. But uh, doesn't really matter what species of pet bird you have. Like it could be it could be a dove. You still need to give it that same level of attention. Like otherwise, it oh, will yeah. go insane. Absolutely. It'll pluck itself. It will, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. But don't give yeah. them too much attention. If they're pretty much like cats, they will peck you. They will bite you. They, they, <laughs> they don't know anything. Like, no, I don't want to be touched. You can know. You can know. But I, I want to be close to you. But if you touch me, I will freaking bite you. <laughs> well, what's fascinating is. In my family, we have a Nanday Conyer at my parents' house as a pet bird. This Nanday Conyer we got from uh, a very young age. 
and we call it the guard bird because since my mom has always had a bunch of dogs in the house, the bird, I swear, picked up some tendencies from the dog to the <laughs> point now that when someone knocks on the door or a stranger walks in the house, the bird will start squawk barking before the dogs will and will like follow <laughs> this dude or person around and squawk at them angrily until one of us that the bird is used to seeing goes up and starts talking to them and makes it clear that things are okay and then the bird chirps a few times and goes back to eating some seed and swinging back and forth in its stand uh, it's the I, almost as, I almost yes. assume the dog is the real owner of the bird <laughs> oh and this bird is exceptionally moody um <laughs> there are some people in the house it likes but some people if you try to get close to it it'll bite you yeah that seems I, about right I was visiting um I was visiting um Eclipse and Maggie uh, his wife mm -hmm. and they have two birds and they are both they, they there were something between oh yeah it's okay I I want to be on your shoulder and then be like hey I don't want to be on your shoulder bite 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 they were really like they, they actually didn't bite bite me but they bit Maggie and Eclipse a bit <laughs> I, that's my biggest fear of having a bird on my shoulder is it going straight for the earlobe that would hurt so much yeah my bird's name is Maxie or my parents bird I should say and what's fascinating about Maxie is my mother is scared of the bird biting her so the bird will try to bite her um, whenever she has to go in and clean and whatnot. so when it comes time to take Maxie out of the cage for cage cleaning or to take Maxie to the vet I will literally come over and I will get the towel out pick up Maxie, wrap him in a towel, and Maxie's just like, will go to sleep with me holding him in this towel. It's the cutest thing you've ever seen. Aww. But the minute my mom touches the towel, it's like attack bird launch. <laughs> be dead asleep, and this bird would just launch at my mother. It's hilarious. <laughs> and, you know, um, the, that is uh, kind of segues me into the next thing that I believe birds are better with. And that is to do with our, our talents. You know, yes, griffins can have talents for their forepaws and hindpaws, etc. But most birds, if you're a traditional bird, just have talents for your hindpaws. I <sighs> think talons are very, well, not all, but most. And I think talons are very, very useful. Um, they're hard to damage. They're easy to grip on tree branches. And mm. it's just easy to hold on to things as you fly <laughs> with. They, they they are like 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 um, birds were compensated for not having arms and they're like, like little hand feet like you know what I mean hand feet like, yeah talents hand feet <laughs> hand but feet hands. I don't know which direction you say that but uh, they they have they for feet practically and I I think especially if they are smaller their their the, the feet are really freaking cute like. Like like those crabby little talons, and if you have, if you ever had a bird on your shoulder or on your finger, you you oh my god, it's uh, it's an amazing feeling. Mm -hmm. Yep, I agree. Uh, when my uh, little brother had birds for a little while, he liked finches, so to clean the cage, I would stick my finger in there and through one of the slots, and the finches in the cage would land on it while I took the bottom off. And set the cage gently on the kitchen table and I got to feel the talons wrapped around my fingers and it's just the 
the coolest sensation because here they are they're just chirping they're happy they flying around off and on and when they land and grab you they hold on pretty good oh yeah so you can mm-hmm. move your finger around and kind of wiggle and the bird just kind of stays balanced and just yeah it's an amazing thing you can even turn them all on their head and they will still be on your finger like hey bird <laughs> they, they just kind of keep silly. wiggling to stay up on top yeah <laughs> It's like the it's like the workout for the birds. That and one of the things I got Maxi that he loves in winter is a heated perch. So once he figured out that this magical tree branch is always warm, that's his go-to in winter. And so <laughs> the talent actually can feel quite a bit more than people think. Aw, uh-huh. the perch is always burning. Oh, so, um, what do you guys think of bird nests? I, I'm still wondering. I'm still really impressed that wild birds have such an that that that, that genes can practically uh, inherit such a talent to build such nests with such genius into uh, this genius weaving the, the those structures and stuff it's they're very they're very sturdy and i i don't know how uh how much genealogy plays into it but i mean you know they grow up in a nest so i think instinct does drive them back to make a nest when it comes that time mm-hmm. but they never learn it from the parents how to build a nest so that's that's the thing like it's just instinctually pile of sticks it. doesn't i don't think it'd be too much to learn especially as intelligent as birds can be oh the the, the, the this weaving they do oh uh, like the weaver birds oh, okay i gotcha sophisticated it's more than just throw some sticks on a pile and call it a decor there's an art to these things well yeah. i don't know how you build your nests i buy them at ikea <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you buy them at Ikea. Uh, Griffins, we, we, we have minions for that. But no. Actually, we, look, we I got the parrot joke. Yes. I, I wouldn't be able to build build a fr- my freaking old nest without the book from Ikea, like 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 without the instructions. <laughs> like, like, just rip like, out the pages. Just, just imagine, you're, you're born. You're born, and as a five-year-old kid, you build, build your first Ikea um, bed without a freaking instruction menu. Or the dinky little oh. Allen wrench. Oh, Ikea's instructions are so <laughs> terrible that sometimes you got to call the Ikea technical support line to get help to translate the Ikea instructions. And you're all... Never and had trouble kid, with Ikea instructions. Imagine this kid doing it all with his mouth or their mouth. <laughs> that's, that's also something you have to take into consideration. Birds are very talented. Yeah, griffin nests are very uh, heavy duty because we tend to be on the heavier side of things. So naturally, we only get the finest and softest materials we can buy, borrow, or steal from people. And then after that, we reinforce it with a nice supporting structure around the edge and call it a day. But there's a lot of trial and error, and sometimes you fall out a few times. This is true. Uh, So... Yeah, that that is the biggest reasons I believe birds are better. And, um, you know, let's see. Is there anything we didn't cover? What do you guys think? Mm, Their tail feathers are pretty good. 
yeah. like the, I, I mean I like fluffy tails of griffins of what other animals are there like <laughs> like a red panda tails are really good snap tails they're really really great and stuff but birds don't have to hide with their tail feathers like peacocks damn peacocks oh my god they are like one upping every other living species in the freaking world like, like they do look try. what they do with <laughs> yeah or pheasants or whatever mm -hmm. you're absolutely right when it comes to tail feathers storm doesn't have any tail feathers turkeys so are just want to be peacocks yeah <laughs> yes storm doesn't have any tail feathers he's just got a more lion-like tail with a floof at the end but yeah. I have seen griffins with tail feathers. I've seen griffins that actually have a fan of feathers right at the edge of their lion tail. Um, and I love it all. Um, I think tail feathers combined with head feathers especially allow you to really become expressive in ways that regular animals, mammals, etc. just can only dream of. And yes, peacocks... Man, they basically are a walking billboard of show-off greatness when it comes to their tail feathers. You can't compete. It's this. They just look that damn good. This is true. And I think when I actually, you know, get property, I'm going to be one of those obnoxious people who has a couple of peacocks. And quail. I want, I want peacocks and quail running around my property. As long as you live in an area where the covenants don't block it. Yeah, I, mean, I hope to live a little bit outside of the city limit. Depending on the region you're living in, you may have the chance to have peacocks in your garden because a lot of people just let the peacocks run around. Yeah, in, and they'll stick around. Are, some some state parks do have peacocks. Like, I'm wondering why why those peacocks stay there. Actually, For I food, mean, if I would be a peacock, fed. I would go and hmm? they get fed. You you feed yeah, the okay, peacocks, then. so they they stick around. Yeah, I guess I would also say the place that serves free pizza for a while. <laughs> so, so what we've just learned now, folks, for those listening to the educational program known as Bird.Life. Is that is peacocks like pizza? Feed, yes. If you feed peacocks, they generally will stick around. If you feed peck pecks, generally pizza, they will generally stick around and cause property damage. While they I actually prefer love. burgers, but uh, <laughs> pizza, pizza was the first thing I thought of. Whereas if you feed griffins, we will come by occasionally and then stick our beak up at you if we don't approve of the food you feed us. And so, uh, eventually get stuck in the window. But we keep feeding Peter Corkley. That's how we get him to stick around. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, one of the, my favorite things I enjoy about birds is how much they enjoy games. And Core, I believe you had something on this topic. Kind of, yeah. We keep revisiting games and uh, like tabletop board games, uh, even de like delving into video games. We never really discussed party games, though. Games you that anybody can pick up and play, kind of on a moment's notice. Yeah, my favorite, my favorite party game is a tin can and the stick. <laughs> Do you just try to flip the the tin can? Yes. Okay. Storm, what's your favorite <laughs> party game? Um. <laughs> Now, now when I'm course. saying party games, I'm talking things like anything from Cards Against Humanity to uh, some of the like more tabletop-esque games like Smash Up. Um, oh, I have one. Or have one. anything from like Truth or Dare. My favorite party game 
especially if you're going from when I was your grifflet to now, is a mixture between um, Truth or Dare, of course, you know, everyone's played that, but also Cards Against Humanity. Just because, yeah, you know, for example, with Cards Against Humanity, yeah, you can't do it for hours and hours because it does get old. But if you've got some drinking going on, you're sitting around, you're laughing, you're having a good time, whipping out Cards Against Humanity and doing a few rounds can be fucking hilarious, truly. It really can be. Oh, yeah. Um, and, uh, I have a recommendation for a game if you don't have uh, Cards Against Humanity or anything to play, but you are at a party and you want to uh, garner some good attention. 1,000 blank cards. Have you guys heard of this? No. Go on. Okay. Uh, about what? 1,000 what blank cards. So what it is is... Oh, yeah, yeah I know it. I know it. It is... Uh, you just get a whole bunch of paper, and you cut them up into card like card-sized shapes and stuff like that. And you draw your own cards with its own rules, with its own point system. So... The anatomy of every card is it has to have a title, just something creative. It has to have a picture that coincides with that title. You put your best drawing skills in effort. And then it has to have a rule, an effect, or a point value. So that rule could be something like uh, gain 1,000 points if you eat this card. Or uh, 1,000 points to everybody who has a mustache at the table. Something like that. <laughs> And the yeah. point value can be anything you want it to be. It could be uh, one point, it could be 100 points, it could be negative 1,000 points. And the way you play is you play until everybody runs out of cards, and the winner is the person who has the most or most least amount of points. Yeah, except the, except the card changes the rule. If, if the rule says uh, whoever has the least point wins. Correct. Then, then, you can have that thing going on as well. These cards, so you draw out the cards yourself, and you everybody draws 10 cards. Uh, so you take like 15 minutes to kind of draw them out. And at the end of the session, you play a game of keep or toss. So you kind of go through your hand of cards, and everybody at the table kind of goes, yeah, let's keep that one for next time. Well, let's toss that one. It sucks. Keep that one. Toss that one. And then you mm -hmm. hold on to the cards that you drew that round, and then you throw them into your next game. And your next game, you'll only have to draw like five, or you know, if you want to draw ten, you can still draw ten cards. Yep. But it is a so lot of fun, especially of when you collect cards that have kind of grown with age. <laughs> okay. What about uh, core? Uh, since we're talking about party games, um, yeah. Okay. Core. My please. favorite. Okay. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Uh, my favorite. It suddenly became my favorite uh, party game when I played it at Eclipse because it was so genius. I thought, do you know Snake Oil? Uh, yes, actually, no. I've heard of that. I haven't played it, but I've heard yeah. of it. You, what you're doing in this game is one of you is somebody who wants to buy something. He has a certain role, like it's an agent or... Uh, a hairdresser or a dragon, whatever. Um, they they need to draw a cat, uh, a card, and and then you you have like uh, a set of I think it was ten cards, and you have to pick two and combine them to something like whistle, pillow, kite, alcoholic, um, oh. revenge, and then you have for example you can combine then revenge and whistle for for a dragon, and then then you as a player have to sell your thing. And you have to say, like, if you have, for example, the uh, revenge whistle, 
you you can explain him what does it like yeah you can take revenge to all the freaking warriors that hurt you in the past just blow uh, in the whistle one time and their ear drums will explode or something yeah that's not fun and yeah the dragon decides and oh that sounds good that that, that's the most hilarious thing i pick it yeah whoever it's the most hilarious wins in this case so you're practically a salesman and need to sail your snake oil (laughs) gotcha okay that i can see where that would be fun yeah, it's so creative and fun. Oh my god, I loved it. It was hilarious. Especially since Tweets played with us and you know Tweets, the Tweets memes and we played on that. <laughs> oh, the good old Tweets memes. Yeah. Uh, so, what do you guys think is the best game to play when you're drinking? Um. Well, I would say two truths and a lie is a lot of fun because oftentimes that's just a great way to get to know someone. But when you kind of have the less inebriations and more willingness to talk, it can be a lot of fun when you're doing a drunk. (laughs) Okay. In addition to, in addition to doing drinking um, challenge, what other silly game challenges have you seen or heard? coming from games that are done in a gaming environment? Uh, rephrase the question. I guess I don't understand. Okay. You know how, you know, some games, it's okay. If you lose this, take a drink. Or Okay. So this, a drinking game? Right. Yes. All right. So, so what, in addition to that, in addition to drinking games, what other challenges have you seen? Uh, you know, during parties and arranging from like for example strip clothes or you have to impromptu sing something or something like that (laughs) um kind of in lieu to that uh we one time did play the drinking game to um back to the future the trilogy uh and the the stipulation was every time doc brown makes a funny face we took a drink uh, most of us were checked out by about the end of the first movie and ready to call it quits. So we were just kind of sipping on our beer and chilling out. Uh, one of our friends was determined to continue doing it throughout the rest of the movie. He got about halfway into the second movie before he was in the bathroom just retching. <laughs> and just we didn't even retch. get to the third movie because we had to stop and take care of him. Ah, <laughs> just had a few too many, huh? Easily. I mean, have you what seen Back you? to the Future? <laughs> yes, I've seen all the Back to the Futures. Of course, I have. What about you, Fleeks? I have seen uh, Back to the Future, but I can hardly <laughs> remember it. No, I mean, uh, in regards, I think what Storm's asking is, uh, what kind of fun impromptu party games have you seen come up? Ooh, I'm not a really huge fan of like drinking games and stuff. Just party games so, in general. But, but the, the most impromptu party game, if nobody else knows what to do, is practically always like truth and dare or bottle spinning. Like, ah. But but uh, I, I can't think of a really fun impromptu party game. 
Uh, oh, I know something we did at one party. We were all pretty drunk. Um, we played E6 to 1 roulette. Oh, no. Yeah, random oh, button. No. Oh, random no. Random button. And then... Uh... <laughs> there are two versions, actually. We came up with more uh, versions of this um, roulette. But the, 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 the first thing we did was, like, just rating what we see. And everybody had to give, give, give a rating from zero to five stars. So it was practically um, like a like a bit of a kink game, like 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 uh, rating how. That's an exclusively furry it. convention game. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. The other game we did that was even more hilarious was uh, the the same game but with drawing. So one of us clicked a random button, like up to three times until he found the, they found something, they really wanted to describe and uh, and we drew it we we haven't we couldn't see the picture they uh, chose but we have to draw it and it was so hilarious because of course we picked the worst pictures to describe and i don't even want to describe it because i i'm, I'm not sure if we would still be allowed on uh, apple podcast <laughs> no probably not <laughs> <laughs> But it was so funny. Yeah, those those the, you, what you're describing is almost similar kind of to an iron artist type deal, where you're challenged and you got to draw something or draw a topic within a certain amount of time, mm -hmm. and those can be a blast. Yeah, Monday uh, Monday Painter is so such a good game. Or draw fool, uh, like uh, the checkbox calls it. Yes, and that's one that's always fun to have in your arsenal. Like just any one of the Jackbox series games, that's a good one to yeah. just kind of have be able to pull out at any point. Uh, bonus, they're on the Switch now. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite, my favorite part, uh, my favorite game. I forgot. Ah, I forgot how it's called. Damn it! But it's the one where you have to make fake answers up. It's so, it's so hilarious. Oh, uh, shoot. Yeah, now I know what you're talking about. My personal favorite one of the Jackbox pack is uh, Trivia Murder Party. Uh, trivia Murder Party. Yes. You answer Tell the questions. If you get them wrong, then you have to do a challenge. If you fail at the challenge, you die. Yeah. But you can still win the game, even if you're dead. Yep. Dead people can win. How... How does dead people... We'll play it sometime, Storm. Coming back to life. Yeah, you steal somebody else's body at the end. If you can. Okay, that makes more sense. <laughs> He's just lost now. Like, uh, Does he mean like actually yeah. killing people? And then no. stealing their bodies? How do you do this? <laughs> well, Storm, I'll teach you. And then one day you'll have the secret to immortality. The secret to... Ah, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> so, are you guys wanting to take a few listener questions? Yes, let's do it. Yes, please. Okay. <laughs> Secret to immortality. What the hell? <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, 
would make life interesting. Okay. You just have to get your soul into somebody else's body. Okay. Moriar asks, why did the sun bother rising during the times before birds? Ah, good question. That is a great question. So, Actually, what, are we saying the, Bi the Bible itself needs to be, like, amended to on the first day he created light, on the second day he created birds? <laughs> and then the birds yes. died in the vacuum of space, so he had to create a planet, and then he recreated the birds again? Yes. Exactly. Uh, actually, as far as I know, in some mythology, birds brought the sun to the sky, so... Or the bird was the sun. Eh, maybe it's a phoenix. Exactly. It could just be a giant blazing phoenix. Like, like uh, Callista? <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I would say that we don't talk about the time before birds because it didn't exist it, <laughs> it may as well it's not all happen. just it's you all mean... just a secret theory conscribed by mammals to try to make themselves feel more special than us <laughs> <laughs> they came with the with the big bang like <laughs> actually a bird did a big bang like pecked pecked the the bang thing and then this thing thing uh, expanded and the bird oh, was like, me. oh shit, what did I do? The bird definitely did a big bang. Yeah. It did a big bang in all the right ways. A big pack. And actually, it should be called Big Pack because it's more accurate. <laughs> oh, you guys. Ugh. Yeah. Sorry, actually, too cheesy. Not getting that one the, from me. The universe came when um, a giant woodpecker packed the fabric of non-existence and space and time and then suddenly existence was a thing so what you're saying is you broke the space-time fabric yeah and then then suddenly there was existence and time good job leaks there was peace and harmony throughout the universe and you pecked it oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Second question comes from Eclipse. The question is, yes, birds are better, but it is also important to be self-critical. What is one way in which a bird or being a bird is not so great? What? Basically, Eclipse is, Eclipse is asking, what is one way that being a bird is not so great? No, that's a good question. I think of anything right now. Um... I can't. Malting, malting, is... malting. Yeah, that's itchy. Yeah. Malting's itchy. Dealing with bird mites is very annoying. They get everywhere, and it's like you feel like they're crawling all over you, biting. It's just a very I mean, annoying thing to deal with. I mean, even even birds hate malting. Like, birds really hate that they have to malt. You see that when penguins malt or something, they are, like, pretty much, like, out of what the fuck, why do I have to do that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's 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 nature. It's nature setting its course, I suppose. Um, shoot, nothing I'm, else. I'm trying to think of like advantages other species might have. 
I guess teeth would be nice now and then. Yeah. Some stuff has to be but chewed. Ultimately, I think I'm fine swallowing berries whole. Yeah. But like a giant steak, it's a bit hard with with a beak if if you don't have the with beak to rip meat apart. That's true. Got to get your carnivore yeah, friends yeah. to help you out a little bit. Just ripping out. Okay. Actually, hang on. I can't think of one thing that kind of sucks. And I had to really draw back to my childhood here for this one. But uh, the whole parents vomiting to feed me thing kind of sucks. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. That was pretty gross. <laughs> I mean, they don't even only vomit to, to feed their uh, children, uh, their, their, their chicks. They they also wanted to feed to impress like females <laughs> and giving sharing food. It's it's the truth. Look at me, I'm sexy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <no? God. laughs> I had some good warm. Exactly. Uh, so. <laughs> What? But hey, no gag reflex. It's a pro. Honestly, yeah. The only downfall I can think is bird mites, molting, definitely. And I guess if you're a lazy bird, the amount of time you have to spend preening to make yourself look good, that potentially could get old. Oh, I have another thing, too. Um, one thing that sucks about birds quite a bit is that you can't can't really uh, make them house trained when it comes to their ways, like they will just do their business wherever they they kind of want, and you can't really train them not to do that. I mean, so basically, do, are you saying birds don't know when they gotta go and it just falls? No, they know when they when they want to go, but they, they have no go. conception about about. They have no concept about that it isn't okay to do it there, right there, wherever. Well, think about that with uh, the difference between other species. Like with rats, they're just fully incontinent. They they don't have a choice when they're going. They're just going. Uh. Though, um, I, I, can't, I can't really um, say, yeah, because actually I had pet rats. I had quite a, a lot of pet rats in my life. And they always have a specific corner in the in the uh, cage that they they use to get rid of the waste. Huh. Well, at least they were smart about that then. <laughs> okay. Do we have more questions, or do we want to wrap up? Or I think I we'll think... do one final. Okay. What do you guys think? Is that okay? Yes. I'm ready. All Bring right. it on. Drizzle Silverwing asks, "What is your monopoly strategy?" Oh, this is a biased question. <laughs> <laughs> so that is Fleek's strategy. Fleek's yeah. strategy is not playing. I, I have, <laughs> seriously, I have better things to do with my time than sitting there for hours and fighting about fucking streets and rent and money, uh, toy money. Like, I mean, it, 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 it's, it, it's quite kind of fun in the beginning. But then it starts to get so obnoxious, this game. Like, nah. Last time Drizzle was on the show, he fully confessed that you have never lost a game of Monopoly. Yes. So, 
our winning strategy is to just not play you. <laughs> oh, really? Come on. <laughs> uh, honestly, though, it's been years since uh, I played Monopoly, and the typical go-to uh, winning strategy for me or any of my family is to try to get uh, the most expensive property. I don't remember what it's called. Park Place? I think. Let's try to lock that down as early on as possible and then go from there. Yeah. And the thing is, uh, I would I would recommend you uh, load a dice, but they, they can't be too well loaded because... <laughs> His strategy is to cheat to win. Because, because dice? you have three pass if you have three times this, uh, three times the same number after you go to prison so you don't want this wow okay so next wow. time you play a game okay. with tweets you know roll his dice a few times and see if he's baked them oh I, I, i'm gonna have to do inspections on all of your shit now because <laughs> lord only knows when you're going against me what you might try to do, what shenaniganry may be pulled. <laughs> so my winning strategy is I try to buy property within three to six spaces of get out of jail. The reason why is, is when I buy property in that area, that's going to be one of the first places you typically hit when you get out of jail, because in Monopoly, you go to jail a lot. It's just kind of how the game is. Oh, heat map so, it. I got gotcha. you. So the moment right, they get out so, of jail, you make them pay more money. Boom. boom. I, I slam you with, you know, I force you to stay at a five-star hotel every time. <laughs> and, then, and then every four, every, every three to six spaces from there, I do the same thing. And after I heat map it, as you just called it, then I go back and I find the most expensive properties that people tend to be landing on a little more often and I will max those out and I'll keep doing that until you want to pretty much scream and declare bankruptcy every time you go out of jail because there is no way you can afford any of the properties <laughs> because you've stolen within... everybody's turns because they can't afford to land anywhere and you send them back to jail for not being able to pay exactly and then I end up becoming the evil capitalist monster griff that everyone knows and loves to hate on that's a genuinely good strategy. I'm not going to lie. It's a great way to end friendships, too. Oh, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> I hate you a little bit already just listening to that. <laughs> hey, hey, if you want to challenge me to Monopoly, no. we're, we're going to be testing some Pass. things in our relationship. <laughs> I feel like we've reached some like true solidity in our friendship. I want to... I want to keep it there. I want to keep that foundation going strong. We don't need there to crack it with Monopoly hate. <laughs> I wonder, in all seriousness... Or Mario Justin, Kart hate, for that matter. Uh, oh, oh, it's on. It's <laughs> on. It's on. But yes, I wonder if, um, in all seriousness, if there's been a study done as to how many relationships and fights have been caused and relationships damaged by a bad game of Monopoly. Because <laughs> that would be a fascinating statistic to look into. 
I've got people who will genuinely not play Mario Kart with me anymore, and I can be the same way when it comes to Mario Party. So I kind of know how that goes. Like, they're my friends and all, but they will not play one of those two games with me. Yeah, Drezzle will not play Monopoly with me unless, like, we're on the same team and we, like, everyone decides to team up with each other. Uh, <laughs> Maybe we can take them down if we work not. together. Nope. Exactly. Exactly. So I look forward to challenging you one day. Uh, one day. Hard pass. Perhaps when we're both slightly drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Hard pass. Aw. Party pooper. So at any rate, um, is there anything else you two beakies want to say before we start to shut down the show for the week? Hey, I love you. Well, I love you too, Cora. I was talking to the listeners, Storm. <laughs> I am listening. I'm listening right now. <laughs> uh, no, I'm, I'm beyond that. I'm good. <laughs> yes. For, yes. I love you all as well, um, listeners. I totally don't love my co-hosts. They fart a lot, and it gets stinky up in here at times. But right. no, in all seriousness, we all love our listeners. We wouldn't be doing the show without you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to this 100% factually based educational program. It's true. It's not. It's true. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, if you enjoy the episode and you genuinely do want to help us out, uh, you can donate us to on Patreon, patreon.com slash birdlifepodcast. You can donate as little as a dollar a month. And seriously, every dollar helps. We, we truly appreciate it. Um, you can also catch us on iTunes or not iTunes, Apple Podcasts. God, that is just finely ingrained. Google Play Music, uh, Stitcher, and wherever else you get your podcasts from. Thanks again for joining us. And remember, always be beeping. Always be beeping. I do we lose fleeks? I think we lost fleeks. Backpack. Fleeks <gasps> yep, he just dipped out. There we go. I thought you were ignoring me, but yeah, always be beeping. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Stay chirpy. Make sure you bird bath frequently and preen those feathers. Yep. And also always be beeping. Okay.